Today's story is from the Ramayana about how Ram, Lakshman and the Vanars built the Rama Setu and finally crossed the ocean to reach Lanka. We'll also learn why there's a desert in Rajasthan. And this explanation is a lot more exciting than the one geologists would have us believe. Welcome to Stories from India. This is a podcast that will take you on a journey through the rich mythology, folklore and history of the Indian subcontinent. I am Narad Muni, the celestial storyteller and the original Time Lord. With my ability to travel through space and time, I can bring you fascinating stories from the past, the present and the future. From the epic tales of the Mahabharata and Ramayana to the folk tales of the Panchatantra to stories of Akbar Birbal and Tenali Raman. I have a story for every occasion. The purpose of the stories is neither to pass judgment nor to indoctrinate. My goal is only to share these stories with people who may not have heard them before and to make them more entertaining for those who have. In this episode, we are back into the Ramayana. I'll quickly recap for you, in case you haven't heard the previous Ramayana episodes. The Ramayana is one of two major epics in Indian mythology, the other being the Mahabharat, which we have also covered on this show. The Ramayana begins with Ram. Despite being the crown prince of Ayodhya, he was denied the opportunity to become king. His stepmother, Kaikai, pressured her husband into sending Ram into exile for 14 years. Ram went, but not alone. Sita, his wife, and Lakshman, his brother, went along as well. Ram was an avatar of Vishnu, one of the holy trinity in Indian mythology. Vishnu is the preserver of the universe, creating a kind of balance between Brahma, the creator, and Shiva, the destroyer. Shameless plug here, but Brahma is also my dad. Ram, Lakshman and Sita left Ayodhya and they spent many years surviving in a forest. For this trio, life was sometimes exciting, but often exhausting. And that was because they faced one challenge after another. There was always a demon or a demoness looking to eat them or enslave them or to kidnap Sita. Of course, they managed to fight off all such challenges. Until the day Sita was abducted by Ravan. Ravan was the ruler of Lanka and the mega-villain of this epic. If you want a modern analogy, take Lord Voldemort 
from the Harry Potter books. Now imagine Voldemort with ten heads. So he was ten times as evil. Thankfully though, without ten times as many horcruxes. Following some clues here and there, Ram and Lakshman search for Sita. They got help from the Vanars, a kingdom of monkeys led by Sugriv. Sugriv was their king, and Hanuman was Sugriv's advisor and right-hand Vanar. Hanuman looked for Sita and found her across the ocean in Ravan's kingdom of Lanka. She refused his offer of going back with him. She insisted that Ram should himself make the trip to Lanka, defeat Ravan, and take her back in full honor. So Hanuman took her message back to Ram. But first, he burned most of the city down. We'll continue the story after Hanuman returned to the Vanar base camp. When they heard about where Sita was, Ram, Lakshman, Sugriv, and the entire Vanar army embarked on a road trip to Lanka. The only problem was that there was no road to get them there. In case you haven't seen a map, there's a substantial bit of water between India and Lanka. Even at the shortest, there's about a 50-kilometer stretch. While they were waiting at the southern shore, trying to decide how to cross the ocean, they met Vibhishan, Ravan's brother. Vibhishan had decided to switch sides because Ravan didn't want to take Vibhishan's advice of returning Sita to Ram. You might say that they didn't see eye to eye. Except, you should know that Ravan had ten pairs of eyes, seeing as he had ten heads. I guess it was impossible for anyone to see eye to eye with him. You could say that the ultimate snake, or Adi Sheshnag, came close, but with just seven heads, that still wasn't enough. Anyway, we are resuming the story here, with Ram, Lakshman, Sugriv, Hanuman, Vibhishan, and all of the millions of Vanars trying to figure out a way to get across the ocean. This was a very important task that required immense concentration. It was no time for interruptions. And yet, an interruption is exactly what they faced. It was an Asur, flying through the sky. Unlike Vibhishan and his friends, who had just landed, this one did have wings. All eyes turned to Vibhishan, as if to ask who this stranger was. Vibhishan knew that this new Asur wasn't just a buddy of his who had lagged behind. No, this was Ravan's messenger, his most trusted ambassador. This messenger had wings like a bird, so he was able to hover in mid-air as he addressed them. Specifically, 
he completely ignored Ram and addressed Sugriv. He said that his name was Shukar. All this is a lost cause. Your army will never be able to cross the ocean. Why do you want to waste your time? Go back home instead. Think about it. With all you Vanners here, your home is left unguarded. What if someone tries to take it over? Who's going to try? Sugriv said. Now that Ram and Lakshman already defeated Kher and Dushan, and the rest of you Asurs fled to Lanka, there really are no threats left here. Shuka tried a different tactic. Ravan can be a powerful ally. He was friends with your brother, don't you know? The same brother whom I had assassinated? Sugriv asked dryly. Why does that matter? Shuka replied. Family is family, you know. Any brother of Ravan's friend is a friend of Ravan's. Funny you should say that, Vibhishan interjected. After that, the talks broke down. Some of the Vanners leapt into the air and grabbed Shuka and captured him. They would have harmed him rather badly if it hadn't been for Ram's intervention. Ram said that it was against the code to harm a messenger. Which was true and all that, no doubt. But it left the Vanners rather disappointed. This was their first opportunity to do something against these villains. Hanuman had done plenty when he went to Lanka. But what about the rest of them? When would they get the chance to have some fun? But Sugriv backed Ram, which is why they only held this messenger prisoner. Some of the Varner scientists began examining Shukar to see if there was a possibility of learning and adapting this wing technology to help the Varners. With Shukar out of their minds, they again concentrated on the problem of getting across the ocean. They had shortlisted their ideas down to two. One was to ask nicely. The other was to force the ocean to open up a pathway for them. Ram asked nicely. He asked nicely for three days straight. He sat by the shore, folded his hands and asked the ocean to clear a path for them. Nothing happened. The ocean level remained the same. And what was worse, there was no acknowledgement from the ocean that Ram's request had even been heard. Nala chimed in that they should have tried his idea of using hot air balloons. And Jambavan said the same thing about boats. But Lakshman reminded them of the second idea, to twist the ocean's arm into clearing a path for them. Jambavan seemed not to understand. Duh! The ocean's all liquidy. 
it doesn't have an arm for you to twist but figuratively twisting the ocean's arm is exactly what ram was doing now as he readied his bow and carefully selected an arrow lakshman looked over his shoulder he saw the arrow that his brother had selected and remarked that the dryomatic 2000 with the desertifier attachment was an excellent choice in this case ram calmly added that that was not all this arrow would also agitate the creatures in the ocean also this wasn't meant to dry up the whole ocean just this little portion between here and lanka but this would teach the arrogant ocean a lesson ram prepared the arrow and fired it but just as he had let go of the arrow the ocean god varun appeared in front of him now if you were expecting the ocean to look like it did in disney's moana you'd be surprised the ocean god looked nothing like in that movie varun looked like a richly dressed person and he rose from the ocean and he spoke like a normal human he handed out his business card as he introduced himself ram put his arrow on pause now that the ocean had appeared the arrow immediately froze in place ram was willing to listen but the ocean had to make it quick because the arrow had an auto unpause feature varun did make it quick i can't clear a path for you when i heard you praying i immediately started building a bridge support from the ocean floor but these things take a very long time even with all of the sea creatures helping geologic evolution is slow how slow lakshman asked how much longer will it take oh about a million years give or take a few thousand that timeline was not going to work for them ram picked up the remote to unpause the arrow but varun quickly raised his hands in appeal don't please there is an alternative the chief engineer amongst the vanars nala lakshman was skeptical not his hot air balloon idea again no not at all varun said nala is the son of vishwakarma the celestial architect who can construct anything well nala has inherited all of his father's abilities he'll build you a bridge at this remark nala spoke up that's funny now that you mention it yes i can totally build a bridge it's basic architecture and engineering 101 my daddy taught me i've had so much practice on scale models 
and I even helped him out on some of his projects. I can totally do it. You didn't think to mention this before? Sugriv glowered at his engineer. Nala just shrugged. I just forgot. It's not a big deal. Look at Hanuman. He forgot that he could fly. How do you forget something like that? Sugriv reminded him that Hanuman had a curse that had made him forget. A mere technicality, Nala retorted. Anyway, if I should build this bridge, I had better get started. This will take some time. The pathway itself is very easy, but designing and building the columns will take some time. The ocean god spoke up and said that that's where he could help. He would hold up the bridge, no columns required. And because, in his ocean form, he could apply uniform force across the entire length of the bridge, there would not be any buckling. It would even be better than a traditional bridge with supporting columns. So that was the plan. They agreed to get started right away. But there was one problem. Ram's arrow that he had fired. It was frozen in midair right now. It couldn't be withdrawn. It was too late for that now. But the ocean had a solution for that too. Just redirect it. North of here. About where Rajasthan will be in the future. There's a little inland sea with lakes and rivers. It's an ecological paradise, really. And why do you want to destroy it then? Ram asked. Varun replied that right now, it was full of evil people. If Ram were to redirect his arrow there, it would help the area reset. So that's what Ram did. He redirected the arrow to land in the area that Varun provided GPS coordinates for. That immediately turned the Maru area in Rajasthan into a desert. So there you have it. Now you know why there's a desert there. It wasn't a terrible thing ecologically because it allowed other types of life to thrive there. Meanwhile, back at the southern shore, Sugriv ordered his army of monkeys to bring all the raw material that they could get their hands on. Rocks, branches, tree trunks. But I imagine there are rocks falling into the ocean all the time. From cliffs or from other people in other parts of the world trying to build bridges without the blessing of the ocean god. To make it easy for the ocean to know which rocks to support and which ones to sink, the Vanars wrote Ram's name on each rock. Varun kept his promise. He held up the bridge and it was strong enough to carry the entire Vanar army. Four days 
was all it took to construct that bridge. In the end, the Varnar army had assembled at the Lankan shore. Ram told Sugriv that now they could release Ravan's messenger with a simple message back to his emperor, not like the elaborate one that Ravan had sent. This one simply said, Have you looked out of your window? We are the ones waving. But Shuka didn't even have to say anything. One look at him, and everyone in Ravan's war council realized that Shuka hadn't flown back home. He had walked, which meant their enemy was at the gates. That's where we'll leave it this time. A few notes on the show. Over the years, there has been a lot of speculation about the Ramasetu or Ram's Bridge. I guess it's not called Nala's Bridge or the Vanar Bridge for the same reason that the Maharana Pratap Bridge or the Mahatma Gandhi Road isn't named for the persons who actually built it. There is a natural limestone formation called Adams Bridge, which isn't actually a bridge, but a limestone build-up. I guess the ocean god never stopped the sedimentation process that he had started. There is a photograph taken from the space station that nicely shows the bridge. It's on the website, sfipodcast.com. Check it out. It was thought that until as recently as 1480, it was possible to walk from India to Lanka. That's a really long time after the Ramayan for Varun to continue his promise. But a cyclone and subsequent rain seems to have disturbed the bridge. It isn't really possible to walk across anymore. Many long-distance swimmers have crossed from India to Lanka, or vice versa. But that doesn't mean large ships can navigate the area. Large ships approaching from the Arabian Sea have to go all the way around Sri Lanka to get to the eastern coast of India. There are also pumice rocks called Ramasetu rocks. These are observed to float in water. That should not be surprising because of their volcanic origin, when gas bubbles get trapped inside, making them lightweight and buoyant. The Vanners used all kinds of rocks that they could find, but I bet these pumice rocks would have made their work and the ocean's work a lot easier. Check out the links in the show notes for other Ramayan episodes. Those are also linked on the site. In the next episode, we'll actually do a story about me. Yes, in case you forgot, I am a mythological character myself. Often, the stories I tell you are eyewitness accounts, and occasionally, I feature in them. Well, this is what we'll see in the next story. I may often be seen in the company of other gods and goddesses, 
But in this next story, you'll see me shying away from that. Thank you all for the comments on social media and on Spotify's Q&A. I can't directly reply to the questions there, but I'll address them here on this show. Veena, Arush and Rez, thanks for the feedback and the suggestions. I'll be doing those stories on the Jatak Tales, the Panchatantra, the Singhasan Bhattisi, Tanali Raman and Vikram Betal. I've set up a poll. Do vote for the category that you're most interested in. If you have any other comments or suggestions, or if there are particular stories that you'd like to hear, please do let me know by leaving a comment or a review on the site sfipodcast.com or tweet at sfipodcast or reply to the questions on Spotify's Q&A. You can also find me on Instagram and Facebook. Be sure to subscribe to the show to get notified automatically of new episodes. A big thank you to each and every one of you for your continued support and your feedback. The music is from purpleplanet.com. That's purple-planet.com. Thank you for listening and I'll see you next time.